But because of your attitudes and because of your desires, you have invited me. Because of that invitation during your time of worship to me, I have moved in a way that I have not moved in this way, in this place, in a while. Not because you have made mistakes or haven't even invited me, but because your hearts have changed. Your hearts have enlarged towards me. And because it is enlarged towards me, my promises for you has enlarged. So today is a moment you must understand that my full desire from the beginning is to overwhelm you with my promises. That all you do is ask because I see your hearts I see your thoughts and I understand that you love me saith the Lord but let me solidify something in you today even though you know I love you says the Lord. I will say it again. I love you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Let that sink deep. Let that sink deep. The God who is love loves you. Father, thank you. For proclaiming these things to us. Even though many of us know your word and what you have promised. Thank you as your children, you've reminded us. As our Father in heaven, that you love us. In Jesus' name, I proclaim healing over our bodies and our minds. I proclaim strength over our lives, over the things that we do. I proclaim clarity in the vision and the destiny that God has set for you individually and for us as a church, collectively. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The work of the cross. The work of grace. In Jesus' name. Let it just infiltrate your minds and your hearts. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you acknowledge the Lord? Just say thank you. Just tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. I think, we, you know, Holy Spirit is just, because, you know, the Holy Spirit is here to show us Christ, and Christ is here to show us the Father. So I think the Godhead wants us really to be able to verbalize in the midst of our clapping, in the midst of our joy and jumping and dancing, to just be able out of the abundance of our heart to speak thankfulness to the Lord, to be thankful and to say, I love you too. One of my favorite sayings that I got from a spiritual father was, I'd say, I love you. He'd say, I love you more. And and I began to think about that to the Lord. I love you more. Uh, I don't think I do. No one loves more than God. 
Amen. Let's just say it because we're emotional people. And let's just tell the Lord, I love you more. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. High five someone before you're seated. I came in this morning, early this morning, and I was uh, really uh, taken aback by the presence of the Lord that was already here. And I paused a little bit in the sanctuary, uh, and then I paused in the foyer, and then I paused in the outer office, and then in my office, understanding that God's presence is here, and the very reason why is not because I'm good, but because his promise to me is that he has set a covenant that I've received by faith, and his blessings are always yea and amen towards me. That's grace. The reality of of what he began to just my thoughts, where my thoughts went. And I knew that my thoughts were going where my spirit was speaking in me. And the Holy Spirit was speaking through me to me, telling my soul, listen up. And this is what he was telling me. We have so many men and young men in this church that love Jesus with all their heart. I'm proud of you men. I'm proud of what you're accomplishing. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm proud of what you are doing and how you're growing and how you're making quality decisions. None of us are perfect. We understand that. We're teaching on grace. The only reason we can even say this is because of grace, knowing that it came from God. Then he began to tell me, he said, you know what? Look at all the women. Look at all the young ladies in this church that just love Jesus. Next weekend, you're going to have a great time in your retreat, and it was sold out. Amen. And you're going to have a wonderful time, and you're going to take that shore on Sunday morning, when you get out there and you just begin to worship. Like the last time you did that, people began to join you. And you are going to do some amazing things over the weekend, learn some amazing things. But I'm excited because you're going to come back and you're going to be so excited about Jesus. You're going to be a blessing to me and all the men. And so I am proud of you. For all of those that listen to me, and you came last Sunday night and you decided to reculture your life, reculture your week, and to come to Bible study. And Pastor Dan was right. When I walked outside, I had a little meeting after and did a couple things. I walked outside. There were people everywhere on the campus. And it was wonderful to see the joy, the laughter, and the kids and just everything that was going on, because we are family that love Jesus. I'm speaking to all those that are online. Uh, Thank you for being with us. Thank you for some of the responses that I get. Some of you I know personally. You watch every week, and you bring your families, and you you sit down. I, I I just look forward for all of you to come, even if you're from other states, to come and visit Valley Community and sit and rub shoulders with these great people because they love Jesus with all their heart. And everything they are, we know this, everything they are, everything that I am is because of Jesus Christ, the one that we serve. That's grace. There's such a peace in that church that we can literally have conversation like that because the enemy, right away when I began saying things like that, is, well, well, you don't know what I did yesterday, or you don't know, because he's the accuser of the brethren. And he wants to bring you into a doldrum. He wants to bring you into a place of lack of joy. 
because you forget what God has done for you. This series that we began a few weeks ago um, is a series that I think that when we really dig deeper, and we are, um, there's, there's a lot to this series. We're going to spend quite a few weeks with this. but We're going to dig deep, and we're going to talk about some subjects today that I believe, and let me just, just introduce it to you this way, that grace is such an amazing subject, but it's life. It is our life. Grace is us. Everything we are and everything we will be is because of grace. But because we do not understand biblical grace and biblical law, it's almost impossible to experience a full life of breakthrough in areas because of the law. And because of the law, we fully don't receive and understand grace. We fully don't understand living in kingdom authority and blessing because of grace, not because of law. And some of you are thinking, well, what are we talking about? I'm, I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about grace and law. We're going to give you probably one point today, maybe two, but probably one point today. And uh, then next week, we'll give you a couple other points. I want to, before I dive in to this message, I really sense in my spirit, next weekend and next Sunday is going to be very uh, important for you as individuals and collectively for us as a church. So if I may, if I could ask, uh, I know there's some that are not here and all that, but if I could ask for you that are attending the women's retreat, uh, if you would go ahead and stand with me, and I want to pray over that. I want to pray over Terry, the leadership. I want to uh, pray for your homes. And as you come back, something different will be there, and it's from God. In Jesus' name, I proclaim that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rule and reign in everything that we do. Satan, I come against you in Jesus' name, and I rebuke you. I, I say, stop and desist. You have no place in the areas of our lives as we walk in obedience to the Lord. And in Jesus' name, I proclaim a covering over the ladies as a pastor of this church, and I proclaim a blessing over them. I proclaim a blessing over their marriages and their homes and everything they put their hands to. Arise, ladies, and be everything God has called you to be. Allow God to speak to you these blessings, these promises, in a very sure and a secure way. Open your hearts, ladies, to the new of what you know so that you may rise up in this wonderful grace and be an absolute mentor of hundreds of other young ladies. And in Jesus' name, I proclaim that, that it's well, and that we speak to all the men that release and, and are praying over their wives and their sisters in the Lord. In Jesus' name, overwhelm truth over all our men. As we gather together in the two different places next weekend, in Jesus' name, God is worshiped. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you as you're seated. I want to tell you that we are the bride of Christ. 
When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. In Revelations 21, verse 9, the angel says to John, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And we know who the lamb is. His name is Jesus. See, the Lord uses in Scripture this analogy of grace relationship with him, being the bride of Christ. We're going to see Paul in a moment using an analogy of marriage regarding law and grace, regarding this relationship that we have as Jesus Christ being our husband. So in order to discuss this relationship, we also need to talk about the law a little bit. Now, we need to uh, really make a decision to understand this is the law is not bad. The law in Scripture is not bad. Why isn't it bad? Because it's the Word of God. The Word of God is not bad. The next couple times together, we're going in depth on law and grace. So the law is not bad, and I want you really to know that. Just tap someone on the shoulder and say, the law is not bad. Matter of fact, tap them again and say, the law is really good for me. But we need to understand we are not under the law. So follow me now. This is an area that Christians get confused about law and grace. So let me ask you a doctrinal question. You don't have to answer this. You don't have to verbalize or raise your hand. But as the bride of Christ, and Christ is your husband, the question is, are we under the law? The answer is no. But how many of you are not sure? You know how in life there's things that we, we enter into and, and when we're entering into it, we, we're not sure. And then things arise in our life and we say, why did this happen? Why, why am I thinking this way? It's because, let me just tell you, that's the way you used to think before you tried something new. And your brain and your, your, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions go back to what you knew. And then you try to correlate what you knew with the new. Okay, the new, first word new was K-N-E-W. And the second one was N-E-W. All right, you knew something, but now you're into something new. But you're still thinking the old way. With that in mind, so we are not under the law But there are a lot of believers today, I'm saying believers, who are born again, going to heaven, who love Jesus with all the heart, they worship, they're leaders in church, that really are not sure whether they're under the law or not. I've asked a lot of people, I've even asked asked, uh, pastors, and they said, no. Then they'd go like, well, maybe a little, you know, because the law is a word, and the word is good, and the word's perfect. <laughs> then some of them would say, well, pastor, you're the pastor. You tell me. Okay? If you're asking me that question, okay, I'm going to tell you today and next week. Are we under the law or not? And let me just say no, but I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you the analogy that Paul uses Uh, regarding marriage and regarding how we, in many cases, think that we're under the law a little because of the old thinking. See, that's the problem also is pastors haven't explained it to their congregations. 
and we're moving on to great things, and we're, we're doing great things in churchdom today, but there's always that struggle. There's always that, that wall that people run into. And I want to suggest to you, there's a few other things, but I want to suggest to you one of the greater uh, difficulties of moving forward and past the past and really understanding we're not under the law, we're under grace through faith, that we run into walls and, and we can't get past and we struggle. We get to a certain place in our life and it's like we're bouncing back and forth from the old and the new. Romans 6.14 is very clear. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Plain out. Romans 6.14. So what does verse 14 mean? Not under law, but under grace. In Romans 7, here it is, Paul gives us an analogy from the law, and it's about marriage. In verse 1 of Romans 7, it says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? So we're going to come back to that phrase in a little bit in this this teaching this week and next week. But then he gives the analogy using marriage. Verse 2, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, While her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. In other words, if you're married, then go live with another man. It's not right. Watch what Paul is saying. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Talking about marriage. Then he's talking about the law. What's he talking about? That you may be married to another, to him, speaking of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 continued, who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. Okay, again, the law is not bad. Why? Because God gave the law. But here's, here's really my point. The law is not bad, but there is a person who is bad, and his name is Satan. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. Now, follow my thought in introduction here. What does Satan accuse you with? The law. The word. A lot of times when people talk about a demonic influence or talk about attacks of the enemy, all these things, they're always talking about subjects like, well, because I fell, I did this, I did that. He uses the law, the word, to accuse you. Satan used scripture to tempt Jesus in the garden, remember that? And Satan would say, it is, it, it's stated, God said, but Jesus said it is written. So Jesus' answer back was the word of God. And so what I'm telling you, there are many believers today that are struggling with their identity, struggling with their walk with God, frustrated because of their past or the sins that they commit. And we've talked about grace and forgiveness, all the different things in life. So let's continue on grace. 
And, and, but the point is, is, because we don't understand law and grace, we're not under the law, then we allow the word to accuse us and to keep us down and not fulfilling the fullness of what God has for us. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? And let me ask it this way. Have you experienced that in your life? That you knew the word and the word spoke to you and brought depression almost to you because you did not understand grace, that you were not under the law. And some of you are are thinking, Pastor, where are you going with this? I'm going where Paul's going with this and what God, the perfect plan, set up. So Satan is called the accuser. He uses the law. And Jesus' response was the law or the word. But Satan will condemn you by taking something that is good and use it for bad. This is what Paul, most of his life, is dealing with with the church. Because the church used to be under the law. Or the people of God before they were called the church. And they were under the law. So when grace came, they struggled as we do 2,000 years later with law and grace. And they struggled with identity. They struggled with what is the next step, as does the church today, not because we don't have gifts, we don't have anointing, we don't have a desire, we don't have a passion for God. It's because we don't understand law and grace. And we have to move past that to live a grace-filled life. Satan will condemn you, though, by taking something that is good, the word, and use it for bad. Paul is writing, and he's trying to get these wonderful people in the early church to be transformed in their thinking. So let me say it another way. You were married to the law, that's what he's bringing out, but you have died to the law, so now you're free to be married to someone else, and that other person is Jesus Christ. But because we were married to the law for a season, it messes our thinking up, and it messes our understanding of Scripture as the enemy comes in and accuses us with Scripture of how Jesus treats us and what Jesus thinks about us, even in our messes. Hmm. Let's take this another step. Think about it. What kind of husband do you think the law is. Is he a forgiving husband? Is he loving? Is he a caring or kind husband? The law? Is he compassionate? Is he understanding? The answer is no. But the law is good. The law is the word of God. Here's what the law does. The law points out what you do right and what you do wrong. Here's how the law does it. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. You did this wrong. Did pretty good here. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because what it's bringing out is the difference between law and grace. Law could not save you. Jesus died, paid the price to save you. That's grace. And you receive that from God. And because of that, now what God says through grace is you are my child. I want to bless you. 
and I'm going to do good things for you because I love you. But there are a lot of believers who can't understand that because they're thinking wrong, wrong, wrong. I've blown it too many times. How many times have I heard from people, not from here much because we teach you the word, but, well, you don't know where I've come from. There's no way I can do this. Because they're still living in the old, the past of the law. Wrong, wrong, wrong. There's nothing you can do to be saved. Nothing you can do for righteousness. So in that reality, the illustration is the law is when we're talking about a husband, Paul using the analogy, is an overbearing, fault-finding, critical, judgmental husband. That's the analogy that Paul is bringing. I'll say it again. As the husband is an overbearing, fault-finding, critical, judgmental husband. Don't nudge your neighbor with that. But let me just say this to you. Romans 7 is not a teaching on marriage. It's a teaching on law and grace. People will utilize Romans 7. I get it. I, I get it. I'll read it, different things like that when I do conferences. But it's not really a message on, on marriage. It is a message on law and grace. Where Paul is trying to take us. Now, 2,000 years ago, same thing. Half of his writing was about this. He's trying to take you and me and take you from what it used to be to what it is now. That you have a loving, compassionate, forgiving, honorable, life-giving God that you serve. And even when you sin, 1 John 1, 9, is to the believer, he's faithful and just to forgive you as you confess it. But because we don't understand, and we're going to go deeper in this, doctrinally, we're going to go deeper, but because we don't even understand the simplistic aspect of that, you and I struggle. We struggle with this, this, this thing. And also, and we're going to learn is that our Christian walk is not a religion. It's a relationship. And people will measure you. I'm going to show you all the other religions. They'll measure you by what you do, by the law. Because that's what the enemy does, accuses. So the world will accuse you by the law also and will be telling you, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And I, I'm, I have seen the transformation of so many lives when I've sat in my office and discussing this topic, and they got it. I've seen instantaneous change in people's lives. Again, we were married to this fault-finding, critical, overbearing, judgmental law. Because the law was there to show you a need of Christ. The law was there to show you the need of, let's say it, grace. Everyone say it, grace. That's a gift of God. That whoever would believe, not what you do. Hmm. Being born again. We're married to Christ, and we have a new husband. So how did we get married to Christ? How does this happen? Doctrinally, what's Scripture talk about? When you read Scripture, I know that I know that I know. that Many of you read the Scripture and say, oh, that's really good stuff on marriage. 
but it's trying to get you out of this law lifestyle. Romans 7, 1 again says, the law is dominion over a man as long as he lives. Or we could say, till death do you part. So you're married to the law. By the way, the law is not going to die either because it's the word of God. God gave the law. It's perfect. Jesus said it this way. Heaven and earth will pass away before the law. My word will not pass away. So it's not talking about the law dying because it will stand forever, the word of God. So how can you be free from this marriage and marry someone else, a marriage to the law? God comes up with a brilliant plan. The law's not going to die, but you will die. Now, right away, all of our minds went to physical death. It's not talking about physical death. You can die to self, Scripture talks about. And that's what we're going to talk about in the latter weeks here. You can die to your own desires. If you die to that, you could be married to another. If you die to yourself, then you could be married to grace and its blessings. Jesus Christ. That is what Romans chapter 6 is telling us. That we are buried with Christ in baptism. Receiving Christ and we die in Christ. Romans 6, 4, and 5 says this, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism and death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of the resurrection, of new life is that the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new in your spirit, but you still have your flesh. You still have your soul. And that's what the enemy comes in and tries to tell you, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. So if you die to yourself, you could be married to another. But we need to understand some things about your first husband, the law. This is the first point we'll cover today and probably not get to the Second one, the law cannot justify. It cannot justify you in the sight of God. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Are you seeing that? What he's talking about, you can't be justified by the law, but you can only be justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3, the background, the people are going around preaching and they're saying, we believe in the gospel of Paul, that you're saved by faith, grace through faith. They say, we believe this, but listen closely, this is where Some of us are at, and today you can be transformed. But in order to mature, or let me say it, in order to mature, in order to be sanctified, in order to grow, in order to keep your salvation, you also have to do the law or fulfill the law. You know this. No one, we've already taught this in this series, no one has fulfilled the law except Christ. He paid the price for you. So Paul addresses in Galatians this deception. Now that was 2,000 years ago, but we say today, (laughs) 
Yes, you're saved by grace through faith, but you need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And we are still living with the old husband ridiculing. And we're ridiculing one another. And we are judging one another. Now, praise God, that's why I enjoy coming to Valley. Again, as I'm saying, because we are a discipleship church. OSL began last week and powerful. Powerful stuff going on. All you that are involved in that, well done. Because you're going to learn more of the truth of the Word of God and who you really are in Christ. So Paul wrote about a third of the New Testament, of the New Testament over half of his writings, we're trying to get people to believe you're saved by grace and grace alone. That was the theme of Paul's life. There were many groups teaching this deception, though. What Paul was dealing with in Galatians 3 was a group that were adamant about circumcision. They were telling Gentiles, yes, you get saved by grace, but you have to get circumcised to keep your salvation. And Galatians chapter 3, beginning verse 1, Paul wrote, Oh, foolish Californians, I mean Galatians, <laughs> who has bewitched you that you should not obey that, the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to, to learn from you. In other words, I have one question for you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He says, my question to you today, how did you receive the Spirit of God? How did you get born again? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer, of course, is the hearing of faith. Are you, verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, new life, Begun, are you now being made perfect or complete by the old, by the flesh, by what you do, your good works? All right, now I'm going to read this to you in another translation, which I love. Um, someone had sent it to me. I don't know if it's because they were thinking of me, but anyways, they sent it to me, and it's the same passage out of the message. Listen to how he writes it. This guy wrote it for his kids so they could understand the word better. You crazy Galatians, Californians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did, you, how did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? That's good. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect or finish it? Wow. Let me explain something to you. Grace plus law for salvation, when you do that, no matter what you add to it, it is heretical. It means heresy or false doctrine. Heresy or false doctrine. If I think that I could do my salvation by what I do, it's heresy. It's false doctrine. Here's the reason. 
you reduce Christianity to the same level of every religion in the world. Christianity, again, as I said earlier, is not a religion. It is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God. But every religion in the world teaches works, teaches law, saying you have to do something to be in right relationship with God. Remember last week? What do we do? We receive it by faith. In Buddhism, there are three things you have to do to get to their pinnacle. Hinduism, there are two things you have to do to get to their pinnacle. Islam, there are five things you have to do to get to their pinnacle. Christianity, the world classifies you as a religion, but we're not a religion. Christianity is where you don't have to do something, you have to receive something, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you preach that you have to do something, you bring yourself down to a religion. And that's not what it is, and you'll never get there. That's why many Christians in their their walk to their destiny struggle. And they sin even more because they don't understand the gift of grace. It is a relationship with God by grace through faith. The reason we have confusion is we were married to the law first. The first husband, which is the law. Now we're married to Christ by receiving Christ, but we're still thinking the old way. You even see it in marriage. If someone was in an abusive marriage, male or female, and they leave that marriage and they go to a new marriage, they still have struggles unless they've had victory over all the abuse. And today the world will say to you, why? Because the world accuses with the law and wants to keep you in it, will say to you, you can never be delivered from that. No matter what's going on in your past, that was too hard, that was too bad, you'll never be delivered from that. Let me tell you how you're delivered from it. You receive it by faith. And then you read the word, let me say to you, the law And now you see the law is that the law was there to show you Christ. You have Christ now. Now you see the law where it really is. It is really about relationship with God and relationship with one another. Uh, One of our four-score pastors wrote, I, I believe, one of the greatest books on the Ten Commandments, Pastor Ron Mel. That was Melissa Klaus's pastor in Oregon called the Tender Commandments. And it speaks of the Tender Commandments is really about a relationship with God and relationship with man. But if you don't understand the reality of what the commandments were doing and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you know what's going to take place? You're going to live your life in such a reality of accusation, guilt, frustration, confusion, you can never have victory. But let me tell you something right now. In Jesus, today, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what's going on, in Jesus Christ, you have victory today. That's that's it. So what we do, if we don't understand that, we struggle with performance and perfectionism. We teach grace, but we don't live it because the law says right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong. Getting tired of that yet? 
Right, wrong, right, wrong. The law can never justify, grace does. Let's be free today from the judgment of the law because Jesus Christ was already judged for us. He paid the price. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Go ahead if you want to clap for the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Paul. You know, I think at his dying day, when he was killed for his faith, the Bible literally, historical, will will talk about how he was still preaching grace seconds before he was killed. Wow. Can I ask you something before I pray for you? Just... I'm asking you to really hear what God is saying to you today. And when you hear what God is saying to you today, you begin to have such a passion for this revelation that you begin to be a peacemaker in a greater way. You are already because you're the body of Christ, but you begin to be that peacemaker. You begin to bring hope to people in, quote, the world's saying hopeless situations because it's about grace. Those that are watching for the first time or are here for the first time, remember, we've said this every week. It's not about an ability to be able to do what you want to do. When you understand grace, you fall in love with God and then you begin to do what his word does. But you don't do it out of guilt. You do it out of relationship because you know God. Close your eyes and bow your heads if you would please. In Jesus' name, I proclaim an anointing and a blessing over every man and woman boy and girl in this campus in Jesus name that the will of the Lord will be so uh, clear and visible to our eyesight because the, the accusations of the enemy no longer hold us in bondage that we are free in Jesus name from those accusations Hallelujah. Holy Spirit just said, stop for a moment. Everybody look at me. Even though those accusations were true, you're free because what Jesus did. That's where it's at. I'm just going to let you go. I love you. See you tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you.